Well, go ahead and grab a seat or a blanket. I, uh, I failed to introduce myself earlier, just in case you don't know me. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church, and you are used to hearing uh, from Pastor Kyle in that welcome season. Um, Pastor Kyle is behind me in uh, the mothership command center, ensuring that those that are joining us online are able to see us, so you can uh, thank him for managing that. I also want to say just a word of thanks to the amazing team that has uh, made this all possible, and uh, I'd ask that uh, you just give them all praise and thanksgiving for um, making it possible that we're here today, and um, if you're watching online and there's any sort of glitches, this is the first time we've ever done an online service, and it's also the first time we've done a live stream of an, on, or an outdoor service, excuse me, so um, yeah, we're, uh, we're definitely learning new tricks, um, and uh, so thankful for the crew that has allowed us to do that, but we're going to study from the the book of Ephesians, continue in our study of that book, and as um, the Lord would have it perfectly aligned according to his plans uh, for our, our day, um, we are in Ephesians chapter 6, the beginning of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, which speak to the relationship between parents and children. So kids, I'm so glad that you are here and um, with us today so that you can hear from the Lord. And parents as well, we also can be encouraged in the gospel and reminded of our calling as parents and who we are to be. Remember, as we've studied this book, that all that we do, everything that we, um, how we lead our lives, Ephesians chapters one through three are the ones that direct that. The, the way that we live and interact with our world Paul would say is rooted in this union that we have with Christ, this identity that we have in Christ. And so as we read Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4, we have to keep that idea in mind. Paul began this section of describing our human relationships, obviously with husbands and wives, which we taught on last week, and you can go back and listen to that online if you'd like. And now here speaking to children and parents he, he is doing all of this in the context of what he said in chapters 1, verses 9 through 10. He said, by God's grace that he, God, is making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And so as Christ is making all things new and working out his plan of redemption he calls on all of us as believers to submit to him as Lord and submit to one another in this way of building this new structure, this new life. So Jesus is working out his plan to fulfill and make all things new that Paul alludes to there in verses 9 and 10. He raises us, you and I as Christians, from death to life. And he not only gives us this new life, but he then calls us to one another and gives us a new body that he calls the church. And then he calls us as we live in the life of the church as the body of Christ. He calls us to be so rooted and grounded in a love for one another that every decision, every act that we take is in the mind of thinking about one another. This is why he talked about the body and he said that the different parts of the body, they don't, they're considered of one another. Yes, if there's any part of our body that goes wrong, is malfunctioning, as we've learned just through some of these illnesses, that things go bad. And then he says in the end of chapter five, which begins this section on our human relationships, that we're called to live in mutual submission to one another. This is what he said in Ephesians 5, verse 21, that we're to submit to one another out of a reverence for Christ. And this serves as a means to demonstrate our new life. 
So he calls the husband and the wife equally created and loved image bearers to live in such a way that demonstrates that Christ has made all things new and there's this new order that looks different than the rest of the world. Wives are no longer subject to all men, but follow the one man that they choose to call their husband. And husbands, you no longer live in subject to yourself, but you live sacrificially submitted to Christ in a demonstration of the mystery of the church. And so as we come to parents, he says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So Paul calls on children to obey, and he uses this, uh, the, the way that he uses the word obey, he, he could have, we could translate it to say, keep obeying, continue in obedience. And by the way, in the traditional kind of uh, age or, or way of life in this season, in the culture that this was written into, that was either until death or until the dad was 60. So you guys all have a long way to go to submit and continue in obedience. And so children, obey your parents. And he says, why? Obey them as in the Lord. He uses this interesting phrase to obey parents in the Lord. Now, he's not calling there, when it says obey parents in the Lord, there's not this descriptive saying, obey parents only if they are in the Lord. No, he is saying that we are to, uh, that children are to obey their parents, have this obedience as unto the Lord, is how he would describe it in Colossians 3, where he kind of parallels this same idea of teaching. See, our obedience between children and parents is not contingent upon the parent, This isn't something that we do only if the parent is in the right or if the parent is doing the right things. No, the obedience is in response to Christ. As you see your parents, as you follow your parents and you're obedient to them, your submission to them, your submission to their will for your lives, their wisdom, their instruction, their guidance, their protection, all of those things that God gives parents as a gift, he says you're to do that to give a picture of the order of Christ. See, God is not a God of chaos. And in our world, we would not have to look very far, and I'm not talking about just the coronavirus world, but just think about our world and just all of the chaos that exists in our world today. Things are always, there, there's, there's right and wrong and structure and, and the way things should be. There's, there's, who says that? Well, the word of God says it. And God, in making all things new, what he says is that there's an order, there's a structure that he puts in place and that children are to obey their parents as unto the Lord, looking to Christ. Think about this, when Jesus restored Peter on the beach on the Sea of Galilee after Peter had rejected Christ and the risen Christ comes and he uh, makes the disciples breakfast and he comes to Peter and he says, do you love me, Peter? And Peter, of course, says very zealously as he, uh, he would being Peter, he says, yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus says, then feed my sheep. And he asked him that three times in kind of a mirroring of his denial. But he says that because you love me, Peter, if you do love me, then you should feed my sheep because I'm calling you to be a proclaimer of the gospel, a preacher, all the things that I'm giving you to do, they're rooted in what I tell you to go feed the sheep. Likewise here, he says, are you a child? Do you have parents? We all do in some form or fashion. 
then because you're a child, if you are my child also, if you're my son or daughter, then obey your parents. Listen to them. Listen to the wisdom. It's about being obedient to Jesus, following Jesus. And as you do that, children, as I speak to the kids that are there, kids, no matter how old you are, as I said, you have to stay obedient until you're 60, until your dad is 60. That's, that's the rule here. As you obey them, you demonstrate to a broken world you're making, that, that there is something about you that is different because that's not common. The way of the world, the way that we are, in a sense, culture tells us to live our lives is that we are our own gods. We are our own bosses. Everything that we do is whatever I want to do. And as he's giving this instruction to the church, to the Christian church, he says, children, obey your parents as unto the Lord. He's giving this new order. He then says, for this is right. Now, why is it right? Because there's a plan of God for the family. Yes, that's true. Because it demonstrates submission to God's ways over your own ways. Yes, that's true. Because it mirrors Jesus's submission to the will of the Father as children obey their parents. Yes, all of those things are true. But Paul connects this. He says that it's, that it's right, that the command to honor for children is connected to the command to honor fathers and mothers, the fifth commandment. Now, honor is obviously a word that depicts more of an internal feeling or thought. When we honor someone, we, we show them respect. We, we defer to them. And so Paul is connecting this call to obedience and what it looks like to the command to honor your father and mother. So obedience, yes, it does involve a certain degree and obviously contingent upon age and level of instruction, saying, Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, following in, the, in obedience. But more than that, the deeper that Paul is getting to, what he's getting to at more depth is that there is an honor that exists there. There is a reverence for the role of mom and dad, of mother and father, to honor them. Now, here is the gospel in all of this. We were sinners, destined to live a life under the wrath of God. And Jesus came and he took on that wrath that was due to us. And by placing our faith in the finished work of Jesus and the cross, we're given eternal life and a life that we talked about, John chapter 15, a life of abundance. And so this gospel changes everything. And so for kids, how does the gospel apply to your obedience and your call to honor your mother and father? You no longer obey your parents because if you don't, you will be grounded. You don't do a thing motivated by fear or you don't not do a thing motivated by fear. No, I obey my mom, my dad, because God has called me to do that. And I, because I trust him and I trust that he knows what is best for me, he's proved that through what he sent his son to do, then I trust that he intends that to be for my most good. One of the things that we have to learn, brothers and sisters, and is that as we live this life, God's ways, yes, we often quote it, are higher than our ways, but his ways are for your good. What he has done, he intends to do for our flourishing, 
So when we come to these things that sound somewhat like rules and do's and don'ts, the obedience that he calls us to is not simply to just be obedient so that he might be glorified, although it does that, but it is more than that. It's that it's, that's what will serve us best. He knows our needs. He knows what we need. Now, a word similar to what I shared last week in reference to husbands and wives. There are parents who, because of the effects of sin, are harmful to their own children. Few things break my heart than those situations. And because I don't want to cause any confusion on this, if you, God, what God is saying, if you find yourself in harm's way, is that you do not honor and obedience, follow an obedience in the sin. You flee that situation. You tell someone that cares for you. You let the body of Christ know. That is not a situation that God is talking about here. He's talking about the wisdom and, and a healthy situation about parent, uh, children who honor their mothers and fathers. And I can testify to you as someone that has had situations There is a way and a means to honor the father and the mother, even though they are not living the life that they are called to live and do that in safety and in protection. And that's why we have the body of Christ, by the way. That's why we have one another so we can lean on one another and we can care for one another. So he gives this word as he did to husbands and wives. He gives a sort of double-pronged approach here. He speaks first to the children and then he says to the parents, by the way, He tells the children that the reason that you honor your father and mother is connected to that promise that it might go well for you. That's another way of saying that you might live. So you can laugh at that, by the way. I'm I'm missing hearing y'all's feedback, by the way. This is is like I'm still online here because y'all are so quiet. Thank you. No, but it's so that it will go well for you. That's what he calls the children. And that's that idea, again, of having your best interests in mind. So then he turns to parents. And he says in verse four, fathers. And when he says fathers, again, the cultural reference, he speaks to the fathers as the head of the household, but this includes both fathers and mothers. He says to them, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, this is an interesting phrase. I'll tell you that this phrase is one that caused me to sometimes early on in my life, especially as a parent, when I really started paying attention to this. What does this mean to not provoke your children to anger? I didn't understand that phrase. It's just a strange way of, of saying things. What I believe that Paul is saying here is that we're not to provoke or exacerbate our children. We're not to exercise our authority over them in such a way that we provoke them, that they're disheartened. Colossians 3.21, again, is a parallel teaching. Paul is using some of similar language. And so he's saying that there's a way that parents can exercise our authority that breeds resentment rather than obedience and honor. And again, to the parent who would abuse a child, Jesus would say, stop it. That is not what you are called to do. The parent who exercises authority with a heavy hand rather than a heart of love pointing their children to Christ and God is is doing exactly the opposite of what God would call them to do. So he says that we are not to provoke our children to anger, but to bring them up, to raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
So this idea, there's this balance of honor that is due to the parent from the child and this command to train and, and lead our children and not to provoke them in anger. Now, this isn't a call, by the way, to soft, some sort of soft type of parenting. There is this fine balance. I think of my military training where there is rigor and discipline and order that leads to honor and respect. You can have both of those things. But he's saying there is also a way where you can have those things that leads to children being disheartened and being discouraged. So what he is instructing us to do is to train them, to discipline them, to give them that instruction. And he uses those two exact words in verse four. Don't provoke them to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The discipline that he used there, that word that we translate as discipline, is connected to the idea of training training and instructing them in the Lord, following Christ's example. And what was Christ's example to us? He was an example of meekness, humility, and yet power and wisdom and love and mercy and graciousness. We put those things into practice and we train our children. And the children who are going to learn those lessons well are going to learn them from parents who demonstrate Christ to them. Not out of some directive that you must be obedient to me because I am your father or your mother, but they are, they lead, they're led to honor and respect and follow a mother and father who live that out, live Christ out in their example. We talk all the time in our church, parents, It is not the church, the corporate body's job to discipline, or excuse me, to disciple your children. That's your job, to disciple them, to point them to Jesus. And you do that, the way you do that best is you show them your dependence on Christ yourself, your need for the gospel. Training is an instructive discipline. We are teaching them to follow Jesus as we follow Jesus. And I can tell you that there are a few things that will derail a child's faith more than a parent who proclaims and gives words that sound like Jesus, sound like instruction and lift up the church and yet their lives look nothing like the gentleness, the graciousness, the kindness, the mercy and the love of Christ. Allow our words and our actions to match what we profess to believe. We call ourselves Christians. Do we worship Jesus as moms and as dads? Do we fall on our face and knees before God in need of his mercy as moms and dads? Do we find his graciousness to us, his merciful hand over us, something that we love as moms and dads? Is the word of God our life? Does it give us, is it like bread to us? Or is it simply something that we sprinkle in like an additive to our meals. Those are the things that we're called to do as moms and dads to instruct them, not just with our words, but with our very lives. That's the training that Paul is speaking of here. And then he says, instructing them, and this is the wise counsel that we're to give our children rooted in God's word. I do not live up to this perfectly. My sons are right there. You can go quiz them after, just stay six feet away. But as you do that, know that what we strive to do is to allow our wisdom, to allow our counsel, 
to be rooted in the word of God, not just the cultural response that we might think is expected of us to give. So when your children come to you, parents, and they're asking a question or they're dealing with a situation, I would encourage, exhort, invite you, search the scriptures. See what God's word has to say about that situation. Again, he speaks to all things, not explicitly in the way sometimes we would like, but he gives us wisdom. And give that wisdom to your children. Pass that wisdom from the Lord onto them. Allow the wisdom of God to be the wisdom that you share with your children, not just your experience. Often this instruction, by the way, can be corrective. And so we say to them, don't do this because God's word says. Once again, the gospel is good news for us in this, parents. Here's the reality. We will fail and yet we will not be condemned. We will make a wrong step. We will use a harsh word. We will offer wisdom that comes from some past experience of ours long ago, rather than giving them the wisdom of the Lord. And as we fail, we will find grace and mercy because of Jesus. So we lay down our burdens, our parental burdens before Jesus and we can run to him and we can know that he loves us as fathers and mothers, even when we aren't the fathers and the mothers that we are called to be. And as we run to him in the presence of our children, guess what? That might be the most instructive thing we ever do is our children seeing us acknowledge our failure and our need for the good news of the gospel, showing our kids that our lives are completely contingent upon the grace and the mercy of God. Let us preach the gospel to our children through the way we live our lives. And children, honor your fathers and mothers so that it might go well with you so that you might live long in the land and you can follow them as they follow Jesus. They are a gift to you. Let's pray that the Spirit would lead us in all these things. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for your word that gives us wisdom in this fallen and broken world. We don't have to doubt or question where we are to turn or how we are to lead our lives. You have blessed us. And so we thank you for this word. I pray now for children that can hear my voice, that they would follow in obedience their mothers and their fathers. They would listen to their wise, godly instruction. And even as their parents make mistakes, that they might show them honor through their obedience. And that they might be a testimony to the rest of the world as their friends see the way they speak and the way they honor their parents as opposed to putting them down, casting them off, considering them to be non-important, less than worthy of their time. And I pray for moms and dads as well. We need your help, Jesus. This is a hard task. It is something of joy, but it is hard. And so we need your help to be the parents that you've called us to be. So I pray that you'd help us to lead our lives rooted in your word, 
and help us to run to you when we struggle. Let us be people who discipline and disciple, instruct and teach our children as we chase after you. Let every kid in this this room, this outdoor uh, amphitheater, see moms and dads running to Jesus regularly. Let that instruct them. I pray that you would do all of that. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for the preaching of God's Word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 2950 Cardinal Drive, and we'd love to meet you this coming week. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.